worst bit about that Don Broco poo story was I watched Youngblood. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to episode 4 of the Ragamuffin Music Podcast, a place for us to talk about the music we love. I'm Alex. I'm James. And I'm Dan. So as always, we gave some recommendations last episode, so what have we listened to, boys? I, surprisingly, probably between both of you, I was only able to listen to one, but I listened to Dan's recommendation. Um, Is it Sully? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Sully. Sully? Me and my absent mind? Um... And again, you probably won't expect it, but I actually quite enjoy some of that. Um, Get in. Like Us, Hidden, Me and My, and In My Head were the notable ones that uh, kind of got to me. Um, yeah, so that that might uh, make its way into my musical rotations a little bit more. Uh, but yes, congratulations, Dan. Another victory. <laughs> I, um, I also listened to this album and I loved it. I thought the lyricism was great. But the thing that I love the most was just kind of that it creates a mood for the whole album that just carries you through. Um, and my favourite track was True. That one stood out for me. Um, and yeah, I love this album. So thanks, Dan. No problem. It's a good job you both liked it because he's released another one now. It's called Me and My Absent Mind Again. It's got a few like reworked versions from that previous album and a few new ones as well. I would definitely have to check that out then. I'll, I'll nice. be looking at that, definitely. Yeah, we'll check that out. Dan, what did you get a chance to listen to? Um, I listened to a bit of The Royal, which James recommended. Uh, that's pretty good. Some fast, chuggy music. Uh, a little bit melodic stuff as well there, so there's not really anything to go wrong with there. I thought um, off that album, the um, title track 7 was my favourite. I love the intro for that song. I do love that intro. Yeah. And I checked out Jesus Peace as well that Alex recommended. It's Again, it's just a, a nice, solid hardcore album. Um, I really liked how the tracks link together. Yeah. I was, I was like it when albums do that, and they do it on pretty much every single song on this one. So I thought that was really cool. Curse of the Serpent and Dog No Longer were my favourites off that album. Yeah, Curse of the Serpent slaps, doesn't it? It yeah, does. What an album. Oh, I'm glad you liked it. Should we talk about some news now? Let's talk about some news. So Architects bagged a UK number one album. Yeah. Yeah, boy. It feels like a win for kind of the, the community, doesn't it? It does. Um, Architects have had that number one album. And I think before that, Yumi at Six had number one album. So kind of along this kind of rockier metal kind of genre you're getting in the UK this music is getting noticed more it's getting more publicized reaching that mainstream a little bit more as well so oh it's fantastic to see yeah bring me the horizon not too long ago as well with the number one album rock isn't dead yeah take that gene simmons uh in other news slipknot are working on new material uh cory taylor has been teasing something for slipknot in a bunch of interviews lately uh, it could potentially be a concept album there's not really a lot that's known about this but it's got a lot of fans kind of quite excited, especially with kind of the lingering rumours of the Look Outside Your Window album that we've heard about for so many years. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what this could turn out to be. Uh, the Grammys were quite recent, and of course, this is a metal podcast, so we'll talk about the award for best metal performance that was won by Body Count, 
beating out Poppy, Code Orange, and others. How do we feel about this? I mean, I, I don't mind. It's nice that the Grammys have an award for metal music. Uh, Body Count, the the album, because they've, they've won the award for Bumrush, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. Uh, th- yeah, I, I really liked that album that, that that was on, but I don't know. I feel like there's some other worthy, perhaps worthier winners in that category. What do you guys think? The rest of the nominations were stacked, so it really could have gone to anyone. Um, so I'm not I'm not mad that it was Body Count that won, but you could have made the case for anyone to win that. I mean, I, I've kind of given up on the Grammys with metal, mostly. Um, I think ever since... I can't even remember who it was, but there was a, there were some recent winners a few years ago. You, you look at them and look at who else was nominated in the category and it doesn't really... It doesn't make the right kind of sense for who actually ends up winning it. Um, that's nothing on this one with Body Count, but I just think in this kind of industry and in this kind of music the Grammys are fairly pointless to it. It'll be a nice accolade for some bands and if they win it, amazing. But I think there there are bigger things in this industry that they can get recognition for, such as, in a way, Arctic's getting a num- the number one album. I think that would mean more than a Grammy. Maybe. Maybe not. But I think that's something that... I think with the way the Grammys are nominated and how it's all run... Uh, it, to me, it's not true to what actually could be out there in metal, but that is my opinion. It just feels like they felt like they had to do a token award for a different genre. So they've just slapped that in there. Uh, in other news, Daft Punk have split up. Uh, we've got to give some respect to some icons. Uh, they've given the world some great tunes, but they are also responsible for Get Lucky. So... <laughs> Swings and roundabouts, I suppose. What I do find funny about this announcement is that they've basically done nothing for about eight years. Yeah. They've not really they've not released any new music, they've not toured. And it's like with this announcement they've just gone, Oh yeah, by the way, we're not doing music anymore. Although again, credit where it's due, they've shaped a lot of they've got a lot of influence in pop music and dance music. So I mean it- even I was surprised when I when I saw articles being like they've been around for like twenty years or something, uh, twenty five years. I was like, oh, even I was surprised by that. I hadn't, I didn't think they were around that long. But that's just probably my ignorance to them and their music and their kind of deal, I guess. There's a lot of songs that you don't even realise are Daft Punk songs until so you actually like check them out and take a deeper dive. Really, let's take a look at all the latest releases. Of Mice and Men just released their Timeless EP. Uh, they're releasing a trio of EPs starting with this. And it feels to me like this is kind of them giving you new music in smaller doses so that songs don't get lost in the shuffle. Which I think, especially during the time that we're living in, where things can slip through the cracks easier, might be better than dropping a full album. Uh, so I like that they're doing that. Uh, what did you guys think of this EP? I really enjoyed it. Uh, the first song we heard was Obsolete earlier this year. And after not listening to them before, it was a nice introduction. And so I had some good expectations leading into the EP. I thought like Timeless has got a nice build from the opening before like double timing in the verse, a really enjoyable chorus. And I think it flows well into Obsolete, which as I've said before, I love it. The riffs are really well crafted and the chorus is a massive high point for the song. Uh, The vocals are strong. The bridge is a lovely progression into how the song's structured. And I think 
Obsolete is my favourite of the three. And then Anchor's a lovely, pleasant shift uh, compared to the other, so, other two songs. And like ties the EP like in a nice little three-song bow. And it for me, I found it as 12 and a half minutes of just a really solid listen and like a nice introduction. And I think having these EP splits is something for me as a new listener is fantastic because I can have these short bursts of getting to know this band a little bit whilst then also trying to delve back into their back catalogue. Um, only criticism I have, really, is that I'd like the vocals higher up in the mix a bit more. But I've gone back to this EP a couple of times and listened to it again and again, and now I really liked it. Dan, what did you think? Yeah, I loved it as well. Um, I was, I've mentioned when we spoke about With My Cement previously, when they first released one of the singles, I think it was, um, I used to be a massive fan of them back when their self-titled album was out. And the song, the songs on this album have really taken me back to those times. The way James mentioned the flow of the songs, it works brilliantly going from the sort of heavy aggressiveness of the verses into the melodic clean vocals in the chorus. It's, yeah, it's a brilliant little EP. They're crafted really well. There aren't many bands in metalcore that blend heaviness and melody as good as this band. They do it so well. And yeah, like we said, only three songs. So like by my fourth listen through, I was I kind of already knew them already. Yeah. Um which for me was just a lot more palatable. It's not I find that the EP with these three songs as well has some good like replayability. You can go back and listen to it again and again. Yeah. Um which again, that's that can be a very hard thing to do in itself. So, no, I'm I'm a big fan, and there's other two EPs they're working on. I'm definitely going to be checking those out. Uh, Kings of Leon released "When You See Yourself," uh, and there'll be a little thing in the top corner of the screen where you can watch our news video about this album being released as an NFT. But now we're going to talk about what we thought of the album. Uh, Dan, what do you think? I'm not like certain of what I really thought of it. Um, it's not the same Kings of Leon that I remember them being. Years ago, I loved Only By The Night. Uh, that was one of my favourite albums at the time, pretty much. I was really into sort of that indie pop rock kind of vibe that they had at the time. Um, but I think I don't think this album's bad. It's just each song feels pretty much the same. Sort of after you've listened to the verse and the chorus of one song, it kind of just repeats again and it's just not just the same throughout that one song it's the same on the next song and then the next song as well um i don't know i was i kind of just found it a bit boring but i may sort of be biased because my opinion of them has kind of been soured since i saw them live at reading festival in 2018 uh okay why, why was that well i was kind of it was my first time I'd ever seen them live after being a fan of them for a fairly long time. Um, but they just seemed like they didn't care on stage. They sort of just played the songs. There was no crowd interaction. They were a Sunday night headliner, so that's meant to be like a big festival closer kind of thing. And yeah, it was just a bit boring. Well, that's a I, shame. Don't if that, I don't know if that's kind of made me sort of go into this album with a preconception of not wanting to enjoy it, but... Like I said, I, I kind of I'll need to give it a few more listens. I think, but on upon first listen anyway, it's not really doing much for me. I mean, it's it's not my cup of tea. To be fair, 
Um, I kind of got a few bits on it. The opening track was an interesting start. Uh, when you see yourself, kind of like self-titled off the album. Um, I I always love in a mix when the bass is higher, which it has in this song. But then I've I found the song just getting a bit stale, um, not a lot of progression, and then instantly was kind of trying to remind myself that I'm listening to what was kind of like a pop rock act. So for the things that I would usually look for that would intrigue me in music don't apply as much. Um, looking at the streams, the Bandit must have been the main release, I'm guessing. Because uh, I had the most, and it was probably one of the better songs on the album. And I thought Echoing was quite nice with the marching band styled snare sections. But I think like Dan, for the most part, the songs, that they felt a bit stale. Um very repetitive and I respect what they've done especially with the NFT sales and how successful it's been for them and hope more people can learn take notice and adapt into that experimenting with that model but it didn't really do a lot for me to be fair I think I probably had the kind of the best reaction to this album then I I did quite enjoy it um it's certainly nothing groundbreaking or crazy but what it felt like to me was with the state that the world is in it was just an hour of not thinking about anything that's what i took away from this album i just put it on and i didn't didn't think about anything i just listened to it and enjoyed it and had an hour to myself and that was just kind of the impression that it gave me that they were just trying to create something to just enjoy and take you out of the world um, and james said about echoing which i no pun intended. I echo that statement because I like that song. Hey. I'll just add something so that my review, because I feel like I've just completely trashed them in my <laughs> piece then. Um, I feel like because I was listening to the album with the intention to review it, I was sort of listening intently and paying attention to it. I reckon if it was on just in the background while I was getting on with something else, I think I'd quite enjoy it because it's, it's quite a relaxed, chilled out album as a whole. Yeah, that's how I listen to it uh, on my first few listens, yeah. It's quite easy listening. Uh, Pale Waves released their new album, Who Am I? Uh, I found this album really fun. Uh, their influences are really clear, kind of Avril Lavigne, Alanis Morissette sort of style. It's very reminiscent of that early 2000s kind of alternative pop, but in a good way. Um, I know that I've seen a lot of stuff online of people criticising its sort of lack of originality, which I can kind of understand. But for me, it was just a very charming album, I think. Dan, what did you think? Who cares about originality? It's, <laughs> just, it's just a nice album. They've been, they've been around a little while now. Um, they've been likened to the 1975 in the past in their, their song style. Uh, like you mentioned, Alex, it feels like they've added a bit more of a noughties, old pop kind of influence now, which is, which is sort of stemming them away from that sort of label as being just a, a 1975 B-Tech band. So they're kind of finding their own thing now. I'll add as well that all the choruses are huge, really catchy, and Change is an absolute banger. I really like She's My Religion. I think that was my favourite song of the album. These songs will go down great at a festival in the summer. But they kind of have vibe about them that they could fit in anywhere. Like, I could see them at Reading and I could see them at Slam Dunk. They, they cater for a lot of audiences, basically. Yeah.
Gojira released their new single, Born For One Thing. Um, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter gassing up this band for a very long time. And it was the first time I've listened to a song of theirs. Um, but I don't know, it just felt a bit disjointed for me. James, what did you think? I'd heard, I think it's Silvera before, which I enjoyed. And that's basically my only exposure to Gojira. Um, I liked the intro. I had a good feeling it was building to something really epic, and it didn't get there. Um, it felt like the style changed, and it was kind of two separate songs being forced into one for me. I got like some Pantera vibes from parts in the verse with the riffs very centralised and the ride cymbal like as central as it was, and the vocal style sounding a lot like a Phil Anselmo kind of shout. Most impressive part to me was probably some of the intricate and little fun drumming parts were there and a lovely high bass in the mix. Uh, it was an okay song, but for me, for some a band that are touted and said to be, usually be quite good, um, I was actually quite disappointed. Yeah, yeah, I felt the same. Um, yeah, it felt like two different songs put together to me. Yeah. Dan, what did you think? You guys have kind of covered everything there. Uh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the same. I've not really listened to any Gojira before, and yeah, it, this, it's, it's not a terrible song, but it kind of, like James mentioned, it starts to build up and then sort of switches to be something completely different. So it kind of gives you this expectation of what's, what it's building to, and then sort of, it's a bit like, uh, okay, it's not that. It's still it's still an okay song, but it kind of feels like it doesn't know what it's doing. It goes off and does one thing at this point, and then it breaks into something that sounds like it doesn't like it should be a completely different song. Basically, uh, I will give credit to, like James mentioned, the drum work on this is quite good. So there's some really nice cymbal work going on. But I'll, I'll give Gojira another chance. I'm going to listen to a bit more of them. I think they've got an album coming out at some point soon. I, th I think it doesn't help. Um, it's a bit like the Deftones effect for me, which might be controversial. Uh, Gajiro, uh, like a band that loads of people hype up, everyone talks about them, and then that's, this gives you like this massive expectation for them to be like the greatest band in the world. And then when they're just good, rather than being incredible, it makes it feel like they're even worse than they actually are. I, I can definitely definitely relate to that, yeah. Yeah, I agree 100%. I call that the Deftones effect, by the way, because I'm not that keen on Deftones, which loads of people seem to be. Vale of Maya released a new song called Viscera. James, I'm going to let you take this one first because I know you love this band. Uh, I mean, it's what you'd expect a lot from Vale of Maya. Lots of like fun dissonance, frantic riffs, some fun drums. And I think like these singles they've released recently, they've really started to come into their own with some big choruses as well. Um love the low riffs alongside the ride cymbal almost kind of double timing over it at points i think lucas's harsh vocals have a much more clear pronunciation and i think he is one of the best and most diverse vocalists and needs to be more recognized and i think it just shows off everything they can do as a band um it's a song i really want to learn the drums to to be honest sam applebaum has some lovely like ghost notes and placements that kind of intrigue me on a snare and it's the third single released over the past couple of years with no album announcement still. So I'm hoping we get a clearer answer on that soon. But this is a song I have jammed to several times and 
uh yes i i absolutely love it yeah it's a cool song i didn't know fully what to expect to come into this um but then it sort of there's like a synth thing going on in the intro which again sort of thinks oh where, where are they going with this and then it just sort of grabs you and throws you about the place there's harsh vocals heavy guitars um and then it breaks into some amazing clean vocals in the chorus there's a bit later on in the song where the guitar does this cool like woo noise which is sick and yeah it's just a cool song i like it i mean the vocalist of this band another level and like i think that's the thing that can take a good band and make them great there are a lot of bands that can do this sort of style but this guy the range what a song bloody hell okay on the negative review alarm because we're about to talk about the new Green Day song I'm just sad about it Dan what did you think? I've not got much to say here that wouldn't completely ruin the legacy of one of the most influential punk bands of all time apart from was this a dare? <laughs> is, is it a prank? it's just really repetitive incredibly irritating and it sucks yeah, irritating. That's the word, That's isn't a good it? Good word for it's it. It's just, oh, James. It's so difficult. I was a massive Green Day fan growing up, and I attribute them as being my pathway band into metal. Um, American Idiot was a massive album for me, and getting me into like that kind of music, heavy music, when I was young. So I kind of hold them in high regard for helping like carve my musical interests. And I stopped listening to them a lot after Twenty First Century Breakdown. Because there were some good songs on there, but the direction was changing. And any songs after that I heard were not the same Green Day to me. But with this song, I think the best way to sum it up is by the YouTube comments on the music video, which if you haven't seen the music video, first of all, please just go and watch it. Uh, It's absolutely horrendous. But the comments, here's four for you. So it sounds like an auto-generated Green Day song. It feels like a Nickelodeon show theme song. Is this really the same band that made American Idiot and 21st Century Breakdown? And finally, which was my favourite one, which was I can imagine this song playing in Scooby-Doo while they're being chased by monsters. Um, I think it's just sad what they've put out now in comparison to their history. And yeah, it was it was not fun to listen to. Like I said, I'm half expecting to just come out and be like, it was a prank. Here's our real new single. It's an early April Fool's. I feel bad because, you know, bands should be free to do what they want. But someone should have stopped this somewhere (laughs) along the way. While She Sleeps released Nervous featuring Simon Neal of Biffy Clyro. And boys, it's an anthem. Um, Lyrically, to me, it's one of their best songs, which I think is saying a lot because... I hold them in very high regard for their lyrics, I think, not just in heavy music, but in all of music. It's very poetic. Every song feels like it has a very clear point and topic. Um, and we've said before in the past about how While She Sleeps creates like a sense of community. Um, and with these lyrics, it's you know dealing with kind of anxiety, which is something that I can relate to. And yeah. It's just such a powerful song, um, inspiring. It's brought a lot of people together. And 
like on top of the message of the song, it just sounds incredible. Like I, I can imagine hearing this in a massive venue, like the biggest venues in the country, and just hearing a whole crowd like just be engulfed by it. Um, what did you guys think? Um, I feel like I agree with you, Alex, with it with like the massive sound of it. It does sound like it would fit in. It's not, it's not necessarily arena rock, but just the the size of this anthem would just sound amazing in somewhere like Ali Pali. I think. I think without talking too much about what you've already mentioned, Alex, the the vocals on this mixed together and harmonised perfectly. It's almost choir like at times, which is something Welsh Sleeps have sort of curated and worked on on all their albums, and it feels like they're really hitting the sweet spot on it on on these new songs. Um, I expected more from the Simon Neil feature, but I still think he was usually interestingly sort of rather than most features where they're on sort of a, their own verse or they get like the bit before the breakdown perhaps he's kind of drip fed in he gets sort of one line and then another sort of backing vocal part and then he gets his own little bit um so yeah i thought they could have used him better but it's still quite interesting the way they've they've utilized him uh i'll also mention i also want to mention the the noise that wheel rim noise in sort of the mini breakdown in the middle that's really cool and I do think the video complements the song really well as well. It makes already a big song seem even bigger. Yeah, 100%. James, what did you think? Uh, the first part that I think was very notable was just the build-up that we came just before the song came out. And I watched the Instagram live they were doing like an hour before the video debuted and the song debuted. And I think it was Sean that said the response they were kind of receiving was overwhelming the conversation they're promoting about people opening up and mental health um, has touched so many people. And I think there's been so many reactions that they've got that have been so positive, um, even before anyone had heard the song, just from what they were doing. And I don't know many bands that would be able to kind of have that kind of response off the top of my head. Uh, it shows even still a different side to sleeps in the verses with, I love the dynamic between like the cleans, melodies, the drums and the vocals. Um, the big anthemic choruses, like you said before, Sav's got some lovely drum parts in it, really well-crafted fills and a nice return of his little piccolo snare. And like Dan said, I mean, if if by chance something happens and Clown from Slipknot can't hit any percussion for a little bit, Sean Long's ready. He, he's ready for that. Uh, a lovely crescendo from like two minutes 45 onwards towards the end of the song is just something that's going to translate amazingly live and be such a powerful moment. I've only ever really probably had one song really kind of like emotionally touch me. And I think that was Disease by Beartooth. And then this is the second song that's done that. I got, I think I got goosebumps while watching the video. And I think the conversation they've promoted, especially about mental health this past week, the lyrics in the song, I think it's spoken to so many people and this is why I think I said last time they've they've become my favourite band in the musicality, the kind of like culture and community around them. Uh, to me, there is not a band like them. So I I absolutely fucking love this song. 
What did you guys think of the Simon Neal feature? I don't think either of you mentioned. Oh, oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, I pretty much echo exactly what you said. It was nice because you usually go into a feature expecting, oh, they're going to get a verse. They're going to get a bit of a chorus. They might be in the bridge. But I think you describe that beautifully with it being drip fed. As soon as you kind of have his bit where he says, I'm nervous, and he's kind of cutting in and out of it. I think it's I think it's actually really cleverly well done. And it's I think a lot of people are expecting the same kind of thing of what you were getting from him in the Architects feature he did on Goliath. Uh, so it was nice to actually get a mix up and something different. I, I really loved it. On my first listen, I, I think, yeah, I was a bit surprised that it wasn't, you know, a typical feature. But this felt like they were really properly interweaving him with the whole band. Because sometimes features can be a bit jarring. Do you know what I mean? When it's someone on a completely different sound. Because he's got such a recognisable voice. They they haven't catered it too much for him. They've kind of just included him into the band in a way. Yeah. Beartooth just released a new single, Devastation. Which is very good of them, just two days before we recorded this. Uh, it's a killer track. I mean, it's like James said with While She Sleeps, where they have a bit more of a refined sound now. And now it's just turning up to 11. It's the same with Beartooth. They've got a very clear identity i think to their sound um and disease was a lot of kind of just pushing that as far as they could and it felt the same with this song uh dan what did you think well devastation is not the emotion i felt when i heard this song it's it's a beartooth song basically it's got a nice riff it's got a punchy drum beat catch a chorus bit of a breakdown at the end um, I do wonder whether this whether this is a song from the upcoming album or not, because it sounds very similar to the stuff on Disease. I would kind of, from a selfish perspective, like it to be a little bit different. But yeah, it's it's just a Bertie song. It's a really good song. Yeah, it's intense straight from the get-go. Um, it's nice hearing extended screams from Caleb. And like seeing that translated live, I remember the earlier gigs we went to where it seemed like he didn't have the stamina for it. And I think even hearing that on records and knowing that he'll be able to pull that off on the live setting is quite nice. Uh, a catchy chorus, which I think would translate well into a live setting. I love the little like blast beat mini section before the second verse, almost like in Pretense by Knucklepuck. Uh, big fan of that. And the bridge section reminded me a lot of Disgusting, especially like the lines where you kind of have the bass drum going in the vocals a bit like when you have the we are the sons we are the daughters the generation of disorder that was like it felt like a little bit of a musical callback to that for me um i'll say it's a fantastic song to exercise and train to i had it on repeat when i was going out for a run because of that drum beat just pounding through and like when the chorus comes back in like the verse you kind of get like some double time coming out of it so yeah a, a solid beartooth song whether it is from like a late B-side or upcoming album, I'm sure we'll soon see. Because they've still not released any kind of album info from it yet. Just the song kind of dropping out of nowhere. But, um, nah, solid, solid. There are a bunch of upcoming releases to look forward to. Citizens, Life in Your Glass World is out on the 26th of March. Devil Sold His Soul's Loss on the 9th of April. While She Sleeps as Sleep Society on the 16th of April, and on the same day, Holding Absence with The Greatest Mistake of My Life. The 30th of April has two albums, Gojira's Fortitude and Royal Blood's Typhoons. Which one are we excited for, boys? 
obviously Sleep Society, but uh, the other one, which was Devil Sold a Soul. I'm looking forward to both of those albums that James mentioned. Uh, I'm also quite intrigued by the new Citizen album. They seem to have taken a slight shift in direction with their sound the last couple of singles they've released. So looking forward to seeing how that one turns out. Let us know in the comments what you're excited for. It's that or this time. I feel like we need a jingle for that or this. Maybe like a fun, like almost... Yeah, like a game show kind of thing. That yeah. or this, this or that. <laughs> That's there, being well, kicked. You're not using that. <laughs> We're okay. clipping that up. That or this, this or that. That or this, this or that. That or this, this or that. That or this. It's that or this time. Yay! Let's go. Seeing as we are in the middle of Lent, we're going to be talking about giving up. Oh, positive. That's my favourite thing to do. What I've done is I've picked a band and listed three albums, and I want you guys to give up that album forever. Okay, okay. So, Dan, you ready? I think so. I've got The Wonder Years with Suburbia, No Closer to Heaven, or The Greatest Generation. Suburbia's got to go. The Greatest Generation is just one of the best pop-punk albums out there, and No Closer to Heaven is one of my personal favourites. So, yeah, sorry, Suburbia. See you later. For Biffy Clyro, only revolutions, opposites, or a celebration of endings? Well, controversially, only revolutions is my least favourite out of those three. What? Even though, it's, even though it's arguably their most popular album. I'm actually quite shocked with that. I'll be sad to see a few songs on there go, but, you know... I think A Celebration of Endings was a banger and Opposites is actually my favourite album of theirs. Wow. And last for you, Dan, Don Broco, Technology Automatic Priorities. There was a brief moment in time during the automatic album cycle where I was being a massive music snob and I thought Don Broco were too poppy and I didn't really like that album. Although I've kind of grown up a bit now and realised that there's some good songs on there, but of the three, Automatic is my least favourite. I'm a bit disappointed. I thought that was going to be a lot more difficult for you. No, that was relatively easy in the end. James, for Trivium, In Waves, Sin in the Sentence, or What the Dead Men Say? Ooh, okay. Oh, What the Dead Men Say I think is fantastic. I think the sin in the sentence is going. I think that's the one I'm giving up there. I think in waves, you've just got so many classic tunes out of that. So, sorry, sin in the sentence. Uh, Lamb of God, Sacrament, Ashes of the Wake, or Resolution? Oh, okay. Let's go Resolution. I think as an album as a whole, it doesn't stand up as much as the other two do. And Sum 41, All Killer, No Filler, Does This Look Infected, or 13 Voices? Thirteen Voices was good. That was like what got me back into them after such a, a long time away. Uh, does this look infected? Like the first half, especially of that album, is great. I think. Oh, but I'm. See, if I say all kind of no filler, then I'm I'm losing like motivation into deep fat lip. And also my respect. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's very difficult. Uh. 
if I'm thinking an album as a whole, I think 13 Voices then. Like, it got me back into them, but I think it's, yeah, the two are slightly stronger. Well, that was difficult, actually. So for all of us, Architects, Lost Forever, Lost Together, All Our Gods, or Holy Hell? Uh, Lost Forever, Lost Together. I will be giving up. I think Holy Hell is a is a great album for me, like from start to finish. And then there are a lot of bangers that I love off All Our Gods slightly more than Lost Forever. Well, All Our, All Our Gods Have Abandoned Us is my favourite Architects album. So that's got to stay. I'm torn between the other two. I think I'm getting rid of Lost Forever. Oh, I can't believe this. It's, <laughs> it's, close. Me, it's close though. It's it is, so close. It it's not. I'm getting rid of all our gods. Oh. Oh, I was gonna say it's my least favorite album of theirs, but it's not. But of that trilogy, it's your least favorite album, by architect. It's my it? least favorite of that of that trilogy. Yeah. Okay. Mm, okay. Right. You're allowed an opinion. Sorry. Even if it's wrong. Sorry, everyone. <laughs> all right. Bring me the horizon. Sempaternal, that's the spirit, or post-human? Uh, that's the spirit. Uh, Sempaternal, oh, it's actually hard. I was going to automatically go to the response of Sempaternal is my favourite album by them, but I think that's actually now post-human. And I think that's the spirit is one that, I'll be honest, I am probably less familiar with. Um, but of what I do know of it, I, I mean, I'll choose the other two over it any day. Sempaternal is my favourite album of theirs, that's staying. Um, I think looking at albums as a whole, I think that's the spirit is better. So yeah, that's staying as well. I think I agree with Dan. I think that's the spirit as a whole. Posthuman has, I think, better singles. Yeah, agreed. But as a whole, yeah, I'm keeping that's the spirit, and I'm obviously keeping some paternal. Goes without saying. Yeah. And lastly, for while she sleeps, brainwashed, you are we, or so what? Oh fuck. Okay. Um. Definitely not so what. Up until now, that's my favorite album by them. Uh, by far. Ah. Uh, brainwashed was the first album I. When I was on like the sleeps bandwagon, I think. You'd sent me stuff just before Brainwash was coming out, Dan. So that that holds a special place for me. So I think I am getting rid of ULE. Yeah. Uh, for me, ULE staying. That's my favourite While She Sleeps album. I'm currently looking at my signed copy of So What because I just had it to my left. I'm just looking at the track list over to make a decision. And... I think I prefer brainwashed. So, so what's going for me? But that's, yeah, that's a tricky one. That's not an easy choice. That was very hard to go through. A diff different day, it might be a different outcome. But right now, right now, so what is the one that goes? So what, I play it start to finish, no skips. Brainwashed has some of the best deep cuts in their whole discography. So you are we is going. Well that's been the that or this. That was a strong one this time. 
It's now been a whole year since our last gig, so let's share some gig memories. And what better place to start than with our first gig? James, what was your first ever gig? Uh, my first one was Adrenaline Mob on the 1st of July 2012. I went back and found the date. And this would be like a nice callback uh, to previous podcasts where you've both taken the piss, but I bought the ticket purely because of the drum god himself, Mike Portnoy. Uh, Mike Portnoy back, Bingo. It is. Bingo. <laughs> um, it was like a nice, easy introduction into gigs as it was like fairly tame to other stuff that we've been to since then. But still having that kind of rock and metal feeling. Um, yeah, like a nice opener. How old were you, do you think? Well, 2012, I was 17. No, it, it was a, a fun gig. First time like traveling for something like that, like as a first experience at, at Birmingham O2 Academy. Um, decent venue. I think I've been there once or twice since as well. Uh, yeah, so it was a nice introduction into the world of gigs for me. Dan, what was your first? So we go from a gentle introduction to the world of gigs with James to mine, which was in 2011 at Milton Keynes Bowl. I went to see Foo Fighters with support from Tame Impala, Death Cab for Cutie, and a little Scottish band called Biffy Clyro. Wow. How was it, Dan? It was incredible. Foo Fighters played for probably about three hours or so, but it flew by. It honestly felt like about 20 minutes. Um, they had some guests out. They had Alice Cooper. They sung Schools Out and a couple of other songs with him. Roger Taylor from Queen came out and played a few songs on the drums. And yeah, it was unforgettable. Amazing day. And Biffy Clyro played uh, The Joke's On Us which was a new song at the time. No one had heard it yet, but that went on to be on their album Opposites. And yeah, it was incredible. It's a very solid first gig to go to. That's a hell of a it's first gig. It's kind of all yeah. downhill from there, isn't it? <laughs> where, do you, where do you go from Foo Fighters? Nice. My first gig was Stone Sour in 2012. So I was 12 or 13 at the time. And I was just terrified. <laughs> like I'd never been in a crowd that big before i'd never been so close to a stage before it was insane uh, me and james met Corey taylor like beforehand um which was like surreal like seeing him like step off his tour bus and just walk outside and say hello to us and take photos and chat to us was like something i'll never be able to get wrap my head around um and then the gig itself was mad because it was the House of Golden Bones Part 1 tour. And that album is so good. And they played loads of songs off it. And I just remember, like, being in the crowd and thinking, it's not going to get any better than this. And then they played the next song plays, and it's even better. And this, that's how I just felt the whole set. I remember, like, seeing you, you like, right next to me, like, in that kind of pit. I just remember you like having a massive beam on your face, like seeing live music for the first time. I do remember that. That is a good memory that I have from us going to gigs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that was a special one as well. That that was a very good gig. So from your first gig to the last gig you've been to, Dan, what was your most recent gig? Well, I could be wrong, but I think all of our last gigs were the same. I think it's Beartooth at the Roundhouse in London. I've got a different one. That is the I've same for me. One. 
Oh, Alex has squeezed another one in. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was nice to see. Is I think it was the biggest venue the Birdie have played in the UK, so that was cool. Um, the Roundhouse is a nice little venue as well. I say little, <laughs> more on the bigger side. Um, but yeah, it was a really fun gig, quite an emotional one as well. Caleb did a little speech about mental health and what the band means to him. Everyone had a little sort of moment and then moshed their faces off. Is that a term? I, I think that is very you, appropriate. Can you mosh your face off? Who knows? Yes, I think so. Maybe. I do. You <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's the exact same one for me. A band that I've like, seen so many times now. Um, but as like one of my top three, I would see them time and time again. And like we've seen them in so many smaller shows, and then having a headline show at Roundhouse was very special. And like coming off the back of just seeing them at Download Festival, uh, like five six months prior, it was it was a really good experience. And um, one of my favourite gigs I've been to, I think. The thing I love the most as well about when we all go to gigs is there's normally like, and for Beartooth especially, there was quite a big group of us, and we all kind of disperse into the pit and do our own thing and then see each other like dotted around the crowd throughout the whole of the show yeah um and that was what i remember the most about Beartooth was like i think there maybe <laughs> might have been five or six of us there and just like every few songs oh there's dan oh there's james oh there's one of our other mates that we went with us yes yeah, you, you but, just saw, oh there's james just flying over the barrier <laughs> yeah, that again. happens multiple times in gigs that happens multiple times yeah. But my last gig that I went to was Turnover last March uh, at the Loft in Southampton, which is insane to think about now, being at a gig in March of last year. You were lucky. Um, well, it, the funny thing is, I remember being on the train with my girlfriend on the way there, and she told me that there had been one confirmed case of the coronavirus in Southampton. But it was insane. It was like a tiny little venue if you've ever been to the Loft. If you've ever been to the Loft, yeah, it's really small. Um, no barrier. And if you know Turnover's music, it was just, just good vibes all around and having a great time. So what has been the f- your favourite song you've ever heard live? Off the bat, it's Before I Forget, seeing Slipknot headline down a festival. It's my favourite song of all time. And I think in that kind of setting, it's fantastic. And I have a short video of the bridge section where Corey kind of comes down the front ramp. And I can't tell you the amount of times I've watched that in the past year of not having gigs because it's just one of my favourite little clips of like time that I've got from going to all these live music shows. And it just brings back such great memories. Um, I love that song and it kind of was the highlight of that whole download weekend for me. It's easy to sit down and think about this like for hours and just think about every band you've seen live, every song they've played. But I've decided to just go with one of the first ones that came to my head, I've already mentioned them, but Everlong by Foo Fighters is just an incredible song. They're one of the best live bands around and every time they play it, it's just huge. Obviously, they always play on big stages, whether it's London Stadium, Main Stage, Reading and Leeds. It's always the last song they play. There's always loads of fireworks going off and when you're singing along with thousands of people and surrounded by some of your mates singing the lyrics, if anything could ever be this good again, it, it's just perfect. It's one of those songs that everyone knows as well. So when it's at a festival, you, every single person's just singing their lungs out. Alex? Well, I saw Architects in 2015 at the Roundhouse 
and I believe it was on the Lost Forever tour, and they played Follow the Water, which must have been one of, if not the last tour, to feature anything from Hollow Crown. I mean, that was the first Architect song I ever heard, was Follow the Water. Um, and it was just insane. I went to the gig with one of my friends and our older brother, mine and James's older brother, and he was the one that introduced me to Architect. So when I saw him in the pit and they started playing Follow the Water, it was just like, I just lost my head. It was so good. What has been the most emotional gig you've been to? I think it was the first time going to see Architects at their own headline. We went and saw them at Ali Pali back in 2018. Um, and the way they paid tribute to Tom in what was their biggest headline show in the UK at that time was very emotional. And I think something I didn't catch on to as much as I hadn't fully become like a big fan of them. But I can look back, especially in hindsight, and really appreciate the moment of what happened there. And then the other one for me is the last gig we went to, Beartooth at Roundhouse. Um, they're a band that through Caleb, they put so much emotion, honesty into the music. So I think any gig of theirs carries some of that emotion then for me as well. But when he made that speech just before they played Disease, I don't think there was a dry eye in the venue. I think everyone was just hugging each other, consoling each other. Um, something which is very foreign in today's climate, but that that was a very special one for me as well in terms of like pulling on the heartstrings and hitting home a lot. I think it's quite easy to form emotional attachments with bands, especially in the alternative music scene, because it's quite a sort of emotionally driven style of music, I suppose. And there's a band that I followed since I was maybe about 13. I went to pretty much every single one of their tours, every opportunity I had to see them, I'd see them right up into early adulthood. And they played their last show at Brixton Academy in 2019, I think. We're talking about Lower Than Atlantis. At the end of the show, they started sort of throwing all of their equipment, like guitars, drums, sticks. You, not usual, like one or two sticks and a couple of guitar picks. We're talking like every drumstick, the whole box of guitar picks, amps, cabs, everything was just being chucked into the crowd. And although it was really cool, it's kind of really sad to see them just sort of dump their life's work into a little crowd so that was a sad one um but the main one i wanted to talk about was what james has already mentioned architects at ali pali uh their biggest show since losing their brother and bandmate tom so there was a moment where the all the lights went out and then they came back on there was a spotlight on and dan Searle had appeared from behind the kit he had a microphone in his hand and he said, I just want to say a few words. And you could just hear everyone's heart sink in the building. There's 10,000 people just losing it at once. It was sad, but also beautiful at the same time. Alex? I sadly wasn't at that Ali Pali gig, but I felt a similar feeling at their Wembley show. Um, yeah, I went... I think we all went with uh, our friend Charlie, who me and him have been listening to Architects together for as long as we've been friends. And we were like together in the crowd um, for Gone With The Wind. And then we were also together in the crowd when uh, the graphic of Tom Sales initials comes up on the 
the backdrop. Um, and yeah, just to be kind of in that moment with such a massive crowd and with one of my best friends was like, it's just heavy. There was a good couple of minutes of applause then as well, wasn't there? If I remember it rightly. Yeah. Yeah. Who have you seen the most? James? While she sleeps with seven. I went back and looked at them. Uh, Slam Dunk 2015, Bullingdon, Oxford 02, Alexandra Palace, Roundhouse, All Points East, and then Brixton 02. Followed by Beartooth, I think, with five. But seven, I think, is very strong for sleeps. What about you, Dan? I think mine is Don Broco with nine. I've seen them at, at they've been at, at pretty much, every, they're a very active live band. They're at every festival up and down the country all the time. They tour constantly, whether it's club shows or big arena tours. The first time I saw them was a, a little festival called Butzer Fest in 2012. And I think the, la- the last time was when they headlined Wembley Arena, which I can't re- I think it was 2019. You'll get your double digits so, this year. Hopefully, yeah. If we're at Slam Dunk in September, you'll, you'll get your 10. Well, I mean, if it wasn't for a council gig where the Oxford O2 Academy's toilet leaks on the floor, I would already oh. be in double digits. But <laughs> yeah. less said about and that. You had to buy a new pair of shoes. <laughs> I'm trailing way behind. I've seen While She Sleeps five times, and that's the most I've seen anyone. And I thought that was impressive. But you guys have blown me out of the water. That's still good. We've got a couple of years on you. Uh, you have the time to make up for that. Yeah. So, who is top of your wish list to see? Dan? Well, of the bands that I've not seen before, um, that I've got into recently, I'd really like to see Sleep Token. I'm really intrigued by how their live show looks with their aesthetic and really interested by their music as well because we've discussed them before. They sort of switch between being calm and melodic and then it gets heavy and intense again. So, yeah, I'd really like to see them live, see how their live show works. They'd be very good live, I think. I think so. I've heard good things. This was hard. Uh, I was, like, tossing and turning between a lot of bands here. I was thinking maybe August Burns Red, maybe Vale of Maya. And then, I'm going to be honest, there was only one that it really came down to when I properly thought about it, and it, it was Tala. I think I've I've seen almost every band that I've wanted to at least once, if not multiple, which I'm very, very grateful for. But I think the potential chaos of their show, that album being absolutely fantastic and loving it last year, I think definitely next year will be a year they'll come over and I would absolutely love to see them live. Yeah, I've talked about them a lot on the podcast on previous episodes, um, but one of my favourite bands in the most recent years has been Code Orange. They were supposed to be at Slam Dunk this year. They've not uh, reappeared on the updated lineup, and especially since the drummer has moved to just full-time vocalist, their live show seems so much more intense. Um, so yeah, I think they're top of my list to see. Now for the most important question: What is the best gig you've ever been to? Who wants to go first? You go. I was going to say, Alex, you go first because yeah, you usually yeah, go last. Good, good so yeah, let's get point. yours, Alex. Okay. Come on. My best gig was one that the three of us plus our friend Charlie went to. Uh, 
I was very young. I think I might have been 16 at the time, if not a bit younger. And it was While She Sleeps at the Bullingdon in Oxford. Uh, for those that don't know, the Bullingdon is tiny. It was a no barrier stage diving. Just, it was insane. I can't even think of the word. Extravaganza. Like, yeah, it was the first time I'd ever stage dive, crowd surfed, anything. Um, you know, being a fan of like hardcore music, um, you s- I've seen loads of videos of like no barrier shows and people are like just on top of each other going insane. And to kind of experience that firsthand with a band that I love in While She Sleeps, it was just, yeah. It's, it's something that I think it, I'm rarely going to get the chance to experience again. I know that we've got tickets for them at the Underworld, which is kind of a similar sort of vibe, but it's rare that gigs like that come around. Um, and I also want to want to tell a story of when, during uh, just before the breakdown in their song Brainwashed, our friend Charlie was up on stage about to stage dive off, and he jumped perfectly as the breakdown hits, and no one caught him. <laughs> Was it that Jack Black School of Rock moment? It was. He just jumped into basically. He just jumped into like a hole in the crowd. Oh, poor Charlie! And then just popped up again like a second later. Yeah. Um. So that was that's the best gig I've ever been to. Sleeps at the Burlington. What's great about that is Charlie probably thought no one saw that, but now anyone listening knows that that happened as well. I was going to say I can tie into that nicely because that was the exact same one for me. Um. I think just echoing it briefly, seeing them in a 300 capacity venue is something I'm never going to forget. And when they announced that tour of small, like intimate venues, I think we kind of like scrambled and like, are they really playing here? And I remember being nervous on the day of getting tickets because this was going to be something that we had to go to. Uh, it, it would never happen like that again. Best gig for you, Dan? Well, this was another category again that it'd be so easy to just sit and think about every gig I've ever been to and like rank them against each other. So instead of doing that, I just decided to go for pretty much the first thing that came to my head. So there may be some kind of recency bias to this because it's a fairly recent show from the end of 2019. And again, it's a small venue with no barrier. Um, It's Pup at The Loft in Southampton. The Loft got a mention earlier on in this episode and Alex can back me up here. It is basically, as the name suggests, it's like it's just some guy's loft. Yeah, you literally go just go upstairs and it's a tiny little room. I arrived a bit late to this one because I'd actually been to a pup show the previous week on the same tour um, and was working this day. So arrived a little bit later, missed the first support act. But we literally went up the stairs. You sort of open the door and because there's already a lot of people, a few people in there you struggle to actually get the door open because the door opens into basically the third row of the crowd. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a tiny little room. It's perfect for the type of music pup play, which is just fast, energetic, aggressive punk. Um, you can angry finger point to your heart's content and just forget everything that's going on in the world. Um, but, but it's not really a pup show if something doesn't go wrong. And at one point, the... The lead singer, Stefan, was crowd surfing and, because it's quite a low ceiling, managed to knock some of the lights out. <laughs> so there, there was a moment where it looked like the rest of the gig was going to be played in the pitch black. But we managed to crowd surf the lighting engineer from the back <laughs> up to the lighting rig to oh, plug everything wow. back in. 
and we had light again. A fantastic group effort of that. You have a picture of it, don't you, Dan? I do. I've got I've got a few pictures. I've got a little video of it. We might be able to paste them in here. Yeah. So those have been our favourite gig memories. Leave your favourite memories in the comments below. James, what album can you recommend to the people? So this is something that both of you guys will know and I think enjoy their music. But for people that are out there that don't know, uh, Crazy 88, Burning Alive. Uh, I've, I've just been listening to this again. Uh, album start to finish. And I think it's fantastic. It's diverse across the whole album. And with that diversity, I think it's something a lot of people would enjoy. So spin the whole album and give that a chance. Nice. Dan, what can you recommend? I've just spoken about this band, so I thought I'd take the opportunity to recommend an album from them as well. This is The Dream Is Over by Pup. It's just got so much energy from front to back. It's impossible to listen to this album and sit still. It's a doing the housework to album. It's a road trip album. It's a mosh in your bedroom on your own album. It's got hooks for days. There's songs about wanting to kill your friends. There's angry finger pointy songs. There's even a song about a chameleon. So check it out. Alex, what do you recommend? This month I've been really enjoying an EP actually that I'm going to recommend by the Japanese house called Chewing Cotton Wool. It's this sort of like indie pop, dream pop sound, um, but it's just so lush and easy to listen to. And I think sonically it just sounds amazing. So just a few songs uh, and that's my recommendation. Thanks to everyone that's listened. If you enjoy what we do, then give the video a like and hit subscribe. We've got this podcast every month, reviews, news videos and other stuff in the world of alternative music. And if you're an independent band, send us your tunes. We've got an email in the description. Uh, follow the instructions we've got in there. We'd love to hear some new music. Send it across. And what are your favourite gig memories? Let us know in the comments below. Thanks for listening. Bye. Have, have they gone? Have they gone? They're gone. I think they're gone. Oh no, there's, there's one still here. What are you doing here? It's over. We're done. It's finished. We're done. Just subscribe and we'll see you next time.